Today is June 19th. This is Verses and Flow. I'm Jennifer, and this is the podcast where we read through the Bible in a year and grow together as the best versions of ourselves. We're becoming better day by day in this word. I am your host, your guide, and a fellow student on this journey. I am so glad that you are here with me today, and I am pumped because it is Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, y'all. Today is a special day. It's a day to celebrate the freedom and resilience of our ancestors who endured slavery and oppression and all kinds of horrors in this country. On June 19, 1865, more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, the last enslaved African Americans in Galveston, Texas, finally received the news that they too were free. Since then, Juneteenth has been a day to honor our history, culture, and achievements as Black people. But... We also know that freedom is not a one-time event. It is ongoing. It's a process. It is sometimes a struggle, but it is also a hope. It's an aspiration. It's something we have to fight for, protect, and share with others so that we can liberate others once we get our freedom. It's something we have to live out every day in our words and actions, and it's something that we have to receive from God, who is the ultimate and true source of freedom. That's why today's reading is so relevant and powerful. We're going to read some amazing story of how God sets his people free from their enemies, from their fears, and from their sins. We're going to see how he uses ordinary people like we see every day in scripture. People like Elijah, Elisha, Peter, and Paul to do extraordinary things for his glory and his purposes. We are also going to hear how God speaks to his people through his word, through his spirit, and through his son. And we're going to feel how God comforts his people in their pain, their exile, and their longing. Oh, that's good news. Grab your Bible, your journal, your coffee, your AirPods, earbuds, or whatever you need. And let's get into this word today. Today's reading is coming from 1 Kings, Acts, and of course, Psalms and Proverbs. Y'all ready? Let's do this. Let's flow, feast, and be fed. 1 Kings chapters 20 and 21, New English Translation. Benadad invades Israel. Now King Benadad of Syria assembled all his army, along with 32 other kings, with their horses and chariots. He marched against Samaria and besieged and attacked it. He sent messengers to King Ahab of Israel, who was in the city. He said to him, This is what Benadad says, Your silver and your gold are mine, as well as the best of your wives and sons. The king of Israel replied, It is just as you say, my master, O king. I and all I own belong to you. The messengers came again and said, This is what Benadad says, I sent this message to you. You must give me your silver, gold, wives, and sons. But now at this time tomorrow, I will send my servants to you, and they will search through your palace and your servants' houses. They will carry away all your valuables. The king of Israel summoned all the leaders of the land and said, Notice how this man is looking for trouble. Indeed, he demanded my wives, sons, silver, and gold, and I did not resist him. 
All the leaders and people said to him, Do not give in or agree to his demands. So he said to the messengers of Benadad, Say this to my master the king, I will give you everything you demanded at first from your servant, but I am unable to agree to this latest demand. So the messengers went back and gave their report. Benadad sent another message to him, May the gods judge me severely if there is enough dirt left in Samaria for all my soldiers to scoop up in their hands. The king of Israel replied, Tell him the one who puts on his battle gear should not boast like the one who is taking it off. When Benadad received this reply, he and the other kings were drinking in their quarters. He ordered his servants, Get ready to attack. So they got ready to attack the city. The Lord delivers Israel. Now a prophet visited King Ahab of Israel and said, This is what the Lord has said. Do you see this huge army? Look, I am going to hand it over to you this very day. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, By whom will this be accomplished? He answered, This is what the Lord has said. By the servants of the district governors. Ahab asked, Who will launch the attack? He answered, You will. So Ahab assembled the 232 servants of the district governors. After that, he assembled all the Israelite army, numbering 7,000. They marched out at noon, while Benadad and the 32 kings allied with him were drinking heavily in their quarters. The servants of the district governors led the march. When Benadad sent messengers, they reported back to him, Men are marching out of Samaria. He ordered, whether they come in peace or to do battle, take them alive. They marched out of the city with the servants of the district governors in the lead and the army behind them. Each one struck down an enemy soldier. The Syrians fled and Israel chased them. King Benadad of Syria escaped on horseback with some horsemen. Then the king of Israel marched out and struck down the horses and chariots. He thoroughly defeated Syria. The Lord gives Israel another victory. The prophet visited the king of Israel and instructed him, Go, fortify your defenses. Determine what you must do, for in the spring the king of Syria will attack you. Now the advisors of the king of Syria said to him, Their God is a God of the mountains. That's why they overpowered us. But if we fight them in the plains, we will certainly overpower them. So do this. Dismiss the kings from their command and replace them with military commanders. Muster an army like the one you lost with the same number of horses and chariots. Then we will fight them in the plains. We will certainly overpower them. He approved their plan and did as they advised. In the spring, Benadad mustered the Syrian army and marched to Aphek to fight Israel. When the Israelites had mustered and received their supplies, they marched out to face them in battle. When the Israelites deployed opposite them, they were like two small flocks of goats, but the Syrians filled the land. The prophet visited the king of Israel and said, This is what the Lord has said, because the Syrians said, The Lord is a God of the mountains and not a God of the valleys. I will deliver this entire huge army into your control. Then you will know that I am the Lord. 
The armies were deployed opposite each other for seven days. On the seventh day, the battle began, and the Israelites killed 100,000 Syrian foot soldiers in one day. The remaining 27,000 ran to Aphek and went into the city, but the wall fell on them. Now, Benadad ran into the city and hid in an inner room. His advisor said to him, Look, we have heard that the kings of the Israelite dynasty are kind. Allow us to put sackcloth around our waists and ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Maybe he will spare our lives. So they put sackcloth around their waists and ropes on their heads and went to the king of Israel. They said, Your servant Benadad says, Please let me live. Ahab replied, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good omen and quickly accepted his offer, saying, Benadad is your brother. Ahab then said, Go get him. So Benadad came out to him, and Ahab pulled him up into his chariot. Benadad said, I will return the cities my father took from your father. You may set up markets in Damascus, just as my father did in Samaria. Ahab then said, I want to make a treaty with you before I dismiss you. So he made a treaty with him and then dismissed him. A prophet denounces Ahab's actions. One of the members of the prophetic guild told his companion a message from the Lord, Please wound me. But the man refused to wound him. So the prophet said to him, Because you have disobeyed the Lord, as soon as you leave me, a lion will kill you. When he left him, a lion attacked and killed him. He found another man and said, Wound me. So the man wounded him severely. The prophet then went and stood by the road, waiting for the king. He also disguised himself by putting a bandage down over his eyes. When the king passed by, he called out to the king, Your servant went out into the heat of the battle, and then a man turned aside and brought me a prisoner. He told me, Guard this prisoner. If he ends up missing for any reason, you will pay with your life or with a talent of silver. Well, it just so happened that while your servant was doing this and that, he disappeared. The king of Israel said to him, Your punishment is already determined by your own testimony. The prophet quickly removed the bandage from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized he was one of the prophets. The prophet then said to him, This is what the Lord has said. Because you released a man I had determined should die, you will pay with your life, and your people will suffer instead because of his people. The king of Israel went home to Samaria bitter and angry. Ahab murders Naboth. After this, the following episode took place. Naboth, the Jezreelite, owned a vineyard in Jezreel adjacent to the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard so I can make a vegetable garden out of it, for it is adjacent to my palace. I will give you an even better vineyard in its place, or, if you prefer, I will pay you silver for it. But Naboth replied to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should sell you my ancestral inheritance. So Ahab went into his palace, bitter and angry that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not sell to you my ancestral inheritance. He lay down on his bed, pouted, and would not eat. Then his wife Jezebel came in and said to him, Why do you have a bitter attitude and refuse to eat? He answered her, 
While I was talking to Naboth the Jezreelite, I said to him, Sell me your vineyard for silver, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not sell you my vineyard. His wife Jezebel said to him, You are the king of Israel. Get up, eat some food, and have a good time. I will get the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite for you. She wrote out orders, signed Ahab's name to them, and sealed them with his seal. She then sent the orders to the leaders and to the nobles who lived in Naboth's city. This is what she wrote. Observe a time of fasting and seat Naboth in front of the people. Also seat two villains opposite him and have them testify, You cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. The men of the city, the leaders, and the nobles who lived there followed the written orders Jezebel had sent them. They observed the time of fasting and put Naboth in front of the people. The two villains arrived and sat opposite him. Then the villains testified against Naboth right before the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they dragged him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they reported to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up, take possession of the vineyard Naboth the Jezreelite refused to sell you for silver, for Naboth is no longer alive, he's dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. The Lord's message came to Elijah the Tishbite. Get up, go down, and meet King Ahab of Israel who lives in Samaria. He is at the vineyard of Naboth. He has gone down there to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord has said. Haven't you committed murder and taken possession of the property of the deceased? Then say to him, This is what the Lord has said. In the spot where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, they will also lick up your blood. Yes, yours. When Elijah arrived, Ahab said to him, So you have found me, my enemy. Elijah replied, I have found you because you are committed to doing evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord says, Look, I am ready to bring disaster on you. I will destroy you and cut off every last male belonging to Ahab in Israel, including even the weak and incapacitated. I will make your dynasty like those of Jeroboam son of Nebat and Baasha son of Ahijah because you angered me and made Israel sin. The Lord says this about Jezebel. Dogs will devour Jezebel by the outer wall of Jezreel. As for Ahab's family, dogs will eat the ones who die in the city, and the birds of the sky will eat the ones who die in the country. There had never been anyone like Ahab, who was firmly committed to doing evil in the sight of the Lord, urged on by his wife Jezebel. He was so wicked he worshipped the disgusting idols, just as the Amorites whom the Lord had driven out from before the Israelites. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. He slept in sackcloth and walked around dejected. The Lord's message came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab shows remorse before me? Because he shows remorse before me, I will not bring disaster on his dynasty during his lifetime, but during the reign of his son. Acts chapter 12 verse 24 through chapter 13 verse 15. 
But the word of God kept on increasing and multiplying. So Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem where they had completed their mission, bringing along with them John Mark. The church at Antioch commissions Barnabas and Saul. Now there were these prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius the Cyrenian, Manaen, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch from childhood, and Saul. While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after they had fasted and prayed and placed their hands on them, they sent them off. Paul and Barnabas preach in Cyprus. So Barnabas and Saul, sent out by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Now they also had John as their assistant. When they had crossed over the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. The proconsul summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But the magician Elimus, for that is the way his name is translated, opposed them, trying to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at him and said, You who are full of all deceit and all wrongdoing, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the hand of the Lord is against you, and you will be blind, unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mistiness and darkness came over him, and he went around seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, because he was greatly astounded at the teaching about the Lord. Paul and Barnabas at Poseidon, Antioch. Then Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Moving on from Perga, they arrived at Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent them a message saying, Brothers, if you have any message of exhortation for the people, speak it. Psalm 137 By the rivers of Babylon we sit down and weep when we remember Zion. On the poplars in her midst we hang our harps, for there our captors ask us to compose songs. Those who mock us demand that we be happy, saying, Sing for us a song about Zion. How can we sing a song to the Lord in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand be crippled. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you and do not give Jerusalem priority over whatever gives me the most joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. They said, tear it down, tear it down right to its very foundation. O daughter Babylon, soon to be devastated, how blessed will be the one who repays you for what you dished out to us. How blessed will be the one who grabs your babies and smashes them on a rock. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 16. What's the point of a fool having money in hand to buy wisdom when his head is empty?
Wow, what a powerful reading we just had. Did y'all catch all the ways that God sets his people free from their enemies, from their fears, and from their sins? Let's recap a few highlights really quick. In 1 Kings, we see how God helps Ahab defeat Benadad, who tries to dominate and exploit Israel. God sends a prophet to Ahab and tells him that he will give him the victory so that he will recognize his sovereignty. God uses the provincial commanders who are not high-ranking or powerful to overcome a massive army of chariots and horses. God also demonstrates his justice and morality by punishing Ahab and Jezebel for their atrocity and murdering Naboth and stealing his vineyard. God sends Elijah, who this time is not afraid to speak the truth, to confront Ahab and announce his faith. God also displays his mercy and compassion by accepting Ahab's repentance and delaying the calamity. He says that Ahab will not suffer it, but his dynasty will. And then in Acts, yesterday and today, we see how God frees Peter from Herod's prison and how he kills Herod for his arrogance and his impiety. God sends an angel to rescue Peter from certain death. Peter thought he was dreaming while the church was praying fervently for him. God also uses Barnabas and Saul, who are dedicated, they're faithful, to preach the gospel to Jews and Gentiles in different places. The gospel is going viral. God also gives them power to perform miracles like blinding Elimus, that magician or sorcerer or whatever, who tried to stop them from spreading the gospel. And then in Psalms, we feel how God comforts his people in their pain, their exile, and their longing. And I just love the pattern of the prayers in Psalms. I can't wait to delve deeper into the Psalms and, and the example that it lays out for us and how we should process our emotions and feelings through prayer with God. But that's another conversation for another day. This Psalm was written by someone who experienced the Babylonian captivity when Jerusalem was destroyed and many Israelites were taken away from their homeland. The psalmist is expressing his grief and his sorrow by remembering Zion, his home, and refusing to sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land. How fitting is that today on Juneteenth? He also expresses his anger and his desire for revenge by cursing those who oppressed and harmed them. He was mad, but he cries out to God for justice and restoration. And mad is probably putting it mildly. And then in Proverbs, we are warned about the futility and folly of having money without wisdom. It says that it's pointless to pay to educate a fool since he has no interest in learning. And this implies that wisdom cannot be bought with money, number one, but it also requires a heart that is open and responsive to God's instructions. It also implies that money is not the most valuable thing in life. Wisdom is. Wisdom is better than gold and insight is better than silver, according to Proverbs 16, 16. Wisdom helps us to avoid evil and to preserve our lives. That's Proverbs 16, 17. Wisdom comes from God, not from human sources. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He also said that he would send us the Holy Spirit who would guide us into all truth. So wisdom comes from 
the truth. The truth is Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So today we learned a lot about who God is and what he does for us. He is our deliverer, our judge, our savior, our comforter, our teacher, and our father. He liberates us from our haters, from our fears, and our sins. When we lean into him and trust him, he empowers ordinary people just like you, just like me, to act courageously in the face of of adversity, in the face of chaos, in the face of corruption, in the face of trouble. He communicates with us through his word and through his spirit and through other people who he gives messages for us. And he consoles us in our suffering, in our longing, in our yearning. Let's pray and thank him for all of these things. He is such a mighty good God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we gather before you today as a community on this amazing journey, standing in awe of your presence, Lord. We are diving into the depths of your word each day, and we come before you with open hearts, seeking your guidance, your wisdom, and your revelation. We are so grateful for this opportunity to grow together as we go through this Bible in a year. Lord, on this special Juneteenth day, we lift our voices in thanksgiving for the freedom and resilience of our ancestors who endured unimaginable hardships. Lord, we honor their legacy and we celebrate the strides made in our collective journey. May their stories and their sacrifices inspire us to live out our faith boldly, embodying the love, compassion, and justice that your word teaches us. Heavenly Father, we just ask for you to guide us through these pages. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit breathe life into the words that we read, revealing the deeper insights and revelations that speak directly to our souls, empower us to understand understand the historical context and the cultural nuances and the spiritual significance of each passage that we may glean wisdom and understanding that transcends our situations and that transcends time in our exploration, Lord, of the scriptures. We acknowledge your desire to set us free, free from sin, free from the chains that hold us back, and free from the limitations that hinder our growth. Lord, as we encounter these various stories of liberation and redemption, ignite within us a hunger for personal transformation. Give us the courage and strength to break free from anything that is keeping us captive and help us to walk in the fullness of the freedom that Christ has won for us. Finally, Heavenly Father, we commit our ourselves to be doers of your word and not just hearers as we take away these key messages from these scriptures we pray for the grace to translate those lessons into action help us to live out the principles of love forgiveness compassion and justice in our daily lives reflecting your character and bringing glory to your name in the precious name of Jesus we pray amen and our affirmation I am free from the chains of the past and the fears of the future. I live in the present moment with joy and gratitude. I am free from the chains of the past and the fears of the future. I live in the present moment with joy and gratitude. And our aphorism, 
It is remarkable how freedom emerges when we cease battling our imperfections and begin to accept them. In moments of vulnerability, the strength of self-acceptance and love begins to illuminate our lives, lighting our path forward. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being on this epic sojourn with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.